Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Tim Keller, the pastor of City Church in New York City, said in a sermon on the Good Samaritan once, though the law is a way of life, it is not the way to life. Though the law is a way of life, it is not the way to life. That thought is at the heart of our gospel reading today. While it is easy to run straight into the parable of the Good Samaritan, we need the context to give us its fullest meaning. And the context is found in the dialogue between Jesus and the lawyer. And at face value, the initial question from the lawyer seems innocuous enough. What must I do to inherit eternal life? While it seems like a good question and one that any one of us might ask, it's designed as a trap for Jesus. The question belies the lawyer's true intent, his desire to establish his own righteousness while simultaneously questioning Jesus. Yet Jesus does not let the conversation turn into creating a list of do's and don'ts for the lawyer to check off, or into a conversation about his ministry, but instead he turns the question into another question and sets the conversation on its head. Jesus turns the trap on the lawyer, a loving trap, but a trap nonetheless. And he says... What is written in the law? How do you read? Rather than providing a list of things only to have the lawyer say, I have done these, Jesus allows the lawyer to condemn himself. And instead of listing out the several hundred laws, the lawyer did as any good Jew of the day would and recited the summary of the law, that same summary which we recite earlier in our Eucharistic services. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds easy enough, right? Well, love God with all, uh, with an all-consuming love, with every fiber of your being at all times and in all places, and love your neighbor with such compassion as you would hope to receive yourself. Okay, well, maybe it's not that easy after all. In this, Jesus catches the lawyer as he says, you have answered right. Do this and you will live. Keep this perfectly and you will have eternal life. But the lawyer still doesn't understand. He misses Jesus' point. An appropriate response to this brutal yet loving honesty from Christ could have simply been, but teacher, I cannot do this. What hope is there for me? And while many of us may know that the answer is found in Christ himself, the lawyer instead pushes further. He seeks to justify himself. He wants to cut down the law to a manageable size. He wants to make it keepable. A very human response that perhaps we can relate to all too easily. And I'd like to point out that in the midst of the conversation, how sad it is to note that the lawyer does not even recognize his failure to adhere to the command to love God. Instead, he assumes his success in this portion of the law and moves on to circumscribing who his neighbor is. Who is our neighbor? Who must I love as myself? Surely, teacher, it is not everyone, perhaps only the Israelites or those who convert to Judaism. Surely I have loved those whom God would have me love. But in his way, Jesus avoids the answer to the, end, to the question. He makes a broader point to those listening. He does not allow the lawyer or anyone else, <coughs> excuse me, the lawyer or anyone else to lessen the scope of the law. Instead, he raises the expectations further than anyone ever thought possible. This brings us now into the parable. It brings us and them face to face with the recognition of our own inadequacies, pointing all the while to our need of Christ and his perfect sufficiency. And in this well-known parable, we find the man left for dead, who we can probably assume Jesus meant to be a Jew. And as he is passed by a Levite, and a priest, we find that his countrymen, who, whether out of fear or out of worry of ritual defilement, move on, likely without a second thought. And then there comes the Samaritan, this man who is supposed to hate the Jews, who is supposed to be hated by them. And he is the one who looks and truly sees the man lying, dying in the side of the road. This is the man who sees the need, who takes action on one whom he should ignore. And the Samaritan doesn't stop with a simple binding of his wounds either. And he doesn't stop when he gets him safely to the inn. But he cares so fully for this man that he provides for his ongoing care until such time as he is completely well. That love which the Samaritan has for the man half dead is the same love that any one of us would hope to receive. It is the love that the lawyer would hope to receive. So when Jesus asked, which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man? 
the lawyer has to respond, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to the lawyer, as he says to each and every one of us, go and do likewise. But wait a second. Go and do likewise. That's starting to sound an awful lot like I'm talking about works righteousness, like I'm trying to earn something, like salvation comes through good deeds. And if I stopped right now, if I said, thanks be to God and sat down, that's exactly what I would have just told you. But we go on, we press further. I would have brought, instead of bringing to our minds this question of who is my neighbor, I would have brought a guilt trip upon us. But this parable is anything but a guilt trip. It is pointing out our inadequacy so that we might recognize the grace that is freely given to us all the more. It is Jesus Christ instead of ourselves who bridges that gap between the law and grace. And he bridges that gap on our behalf and turns to us, calling on us to bear fruit, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the gospel. Without the context of the parable, we would just be hearing the morality card played in hopes of making us feel bad enough to do something. But if we do something just because we're feeling guilty, we're still doing it to justify ourselves. We're doing it to keep a rule, to keep the law. So I say to each and every one of you in this room and whoever listens to this, if you are feeling guilty right now, stop. Stop. That is not the point. We are instead called to recognize what the lawyer fails to see at the beginning of this passage, that we cannot keep the law on our own by our work or by our merits. We are insufficient in and of ourselves to uphold the summary of the law. Sure, if we laid out each and every one of the several hundred laws, we could probably get through a good number of them and check them off and say, I've kept this one and I've kept that one. And after a while, we probably start to feel pretty good about ourselves, thinking, you know what, maybe I can do this. But when we hold out the summary of the law, when we hear Jesus ask us to love our neighbor and to love God with every fiber of our being, we start to see how much we fall short. We start to see how much we need a Savior. That is why it is so appropriate, I think, in our services, that immediately following the summary of the law, we say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We know that we cannot do it on our own, but Christ can and has done it. And in the saving power of his love and grace, we can begin to keep the spirit of the law, not earning our salvation, but bearing the fruit of his redemption in our lives and bearing it to those around us. Christ, working through us, compels us to love God and to love our neighbors because Christ has already lived out the example of the Good Samaritan in our lives. Except, unlike the man in the parable who is half dead when found, we have no life in us when Christ finds us. We are dead in our trespasses. Yet still, Christ bears us up, gives us life as he laid his down for us in the perfect work of the cross. It is Christ's life and his power and grace flowing forth from the cross that are working through us that allow us to bear any fruit 
for our neighbors. We can reach out in love and grace because we have been loved, because we have received grace. What we hear today in this gospel passage is that the love which we show to the world is for everyone. It is not merely for those in our social circles or within our church or those who are deserving of help. If we use these standards, then not one of us would have a Savior in Christ because we have merited nothing. We are not in the right circles to make it on our own. Yet still, while we were sinners, Christ gave everything for us. So today, do not leave feeling guilty because that is not the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news is that we who are in Christ have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of the beloved Son in whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do not ask, who is my neighbor? Because remember, though the law is a way of life, it is not the way to life. Instead, go out into the world motivated to be a neighbor to others because we have each Christ who has already been a neighbor to us first. In that way, we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. In that way, we can love those who we meet along the path of life. And we can love them whether they believe in Christ or not. In closing, I leave you with a thought from Tim Keller, who says that we as Christians are to meet the needs, the concrete needs, the human needs of all the people around us, even people who don't believe what we do. And to do so with such costliness and sacrificiality that people will need to hear the gospel just to try and make some sense of out of our own lives because we are so inexplicable. That is radical love. That is radical grace that comes only from Christ. So to that end, may we be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, that giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, we may go forth, we may confound the world with the love of God and the love of neighbor that comes to us from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God working in our lives and through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.